It's time for another road edition of the Section 113 podcast as the Blazers in Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves on Wednesday night. And joining me now is the Blazers TV analyst extraordinaire and who uh, has a knack for public speaking, by the way, Lamar Hurd. Lamar, first, before we get into what's going to happen on this trip and what we've seen lately, I saw a lot of posts on social media praising you for the job you did uh, for Damian Lillard's ceremony following his uh, record-setting performance in Oklahoma City. I know that you're always going to deflect. The night wasn't about you, but you were incredible during that and really just trying to put this in the best way. You did it in a way that showed who you are and showed who Dame was all at the same time. How much prep went into that for you? First, I want to say I appreciate that. And I appreciate the comments that people did make. It it was a lot more than I thought would be the case. Uh, I tried to get back to as many people as I could. It was kind of an overwhelming amount. It's not what I was expecting. But, but I really did appreciate all those people um, who said something. And if I didn't get back to you, I really apologize. Because I really wanted to touch base with each person who either tweeted me or sent me a message or you know wrote a comment in somewhere. Uh, because that was meaningful to me that they were able to connect with Dame that night. That's all I wanted out of the whole situation. In regard to prep for the night, it was one of those things that we knew as an organization it was going to happen. We just didn't know when, but uh, once that road trip took place and we kind of had a feeling, you know, as long as he stays healthy, probably will be done by Oklahoma City in one of those two outings. We knew going back home we were going to have Dame night. Uh, I worked with Todd Bosma and Willinson, who are – always just the best in when it comes to game ops and things like the ceremonies like they are their hands are in the middle of all of that stuff and um i found out i think a week a week and a half or so prior that they wanted me to be the person to, to host it um through aaron grossman it was actually on one of our game day calls i found out then that they wanted me to do it um so i said yeah i'll do it um, I just didn't know what it was all going to entail because if you remember, we did one for Bill Shonley last year at the end of the season, but that one was different for a few reasons. Number one, we did his at halftime. So there was kind of these time constraints of even if I had a ton to say about Sean's, which I do, I just couldn't do it in that moment. And it just wasn't that same type of ceremony. It was different purposes. Um, still, you know, honoring two of the greats in, in Blazers history. But for this one, there were different ideas that were being thrown around. There were uh, different potential people that'd be sitting there. And so different speakers possibly. And so when the dust all settled on it, uh, there was a lot of room that was open for me to kind of say things that I felt were necessary or helpful to say. So once I figured out that that would be the case, I just wanted to make sure that uh, in no way, like the night was about me in any way I, like I really did not want that one bit because I you know Travis Dame is so unique and he's so special in so many ways and there's so I mean I, I could have spoken for 30 minutes just about different examples of things he did so part of the hard part was really just kind of narrowing down some of the things I wanted to touch on with him and I just go back to the comments his teammates have made about him and um his coaches like people don't do that unless it's real stuff going on and there's a lot of real stuff going on with him so uh, I had enough time to prep and say what I ended up saying and I'm I really more than anything I'm just glad so many people felt like 
they were able to connect with who Dame is throughout that night, and that's all I wanted out of it. You've had a front row seat for most of his career, a good chunk of his career, and I know you've gotten to know Dame off the floor as well. And when he first gets up there, he says, well, I, don't, I don't really have a lot to say, but he had a lot to say. He always has a lot to say, and most of what he had to say was either crediting other people or talking about who he was as a person and the things that help him be the man that he is. And Of course, there was some basketball mixed in, but... You knew what you were going to say. You didn't know what he was going to say. Listening to the things that he did have to say, what did you take away from it? I've heard it all before because it's consistent. It's it's not having to make something up on the spot to um, you know give the crowd something to ooh and all about. It's He was just speaking what was in his heart, and it's what he has lived. And I think he has struck a really good balance of being able to give certain people in his life, whether it's family, uh, coaches growing up, coaches at the professional level, give them credit for what they did while also being able to say, yeah, but I'm the one who decided to listen. I'm the one who, although you guys might have told 10 different people the same thing or 100 different people the same thing, I'm the one who listened and made decisions. And and I referenced when I was speaking uh, Dame's Formula Zero experience that he just created. And uh, he will tell you the formula zero, the formula for him are those people that have been in his life that have given him what he calls the formula of here's how you succeed. Here's what takes you from one level to another. Here's what leaves lasting impressions on people. And and he listened to that stuff. And not everybody listens and not everybody does the hard work that comes along with it. Sometimes it can be easy to outline a certain plan. But the hard part is getting up every day, following it. For him, um, you, you're on a three, four, five game losing streak. Still show up, be consistent, be solid to people, be a good teammate. Uh, you you missed an All Star appearance when you clearly should have gotten voted in. What kind of teammate are you going to be the rest of the time? Who are you going to be to staff when you walk into the practice facility? There's all these things that he decides to do every single day. So. Everything that he was saying, it's all stuff that I felt like I have heard before. It's not anything he had to like make up on the spot. He was just sharing his heart with everybody. You know, if we go to let's put the Detroit win aside for just a minute, right? That was it was a great win. There were a lot of emotions, a lot of things wrapped up into that night. But so let's stop after the Golden State game for a minute. The first 12 to 15 games, the late game execution for the Blazers was on point and they were winning those games. Really, it was that game in Dallas uh with Dinwiddie hitting the threes like that kind of started the momentum in the other direction the late game execution hasn't been there in the last month the last six weeks we saw it in Oklahoma City we saw it in Denver what do you think has changed in that regard or is it just something that they just overachieved in the execution or things eventually even out in the NBA what do you think it's been so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a couple things that coach Billups has said so I've heard him say this, and you know this, in those close games when it's tight, it could have very easily gone the other direction too. So that's one thing to just always keep in mind. Uh, but to the point of your question, which I agree with, is the actions, the execution, what they were trying to do looked a lot better more consistently early on in the season. But something else Coach Billups just said recently is, when asked a similar question is, I'm not totally sure. I can't put my finger on it. And that's the head coach that's around this team all the time. We're around a team a lot. We're not around a team half the time that yeah. he's around them. Yeah. 
So I'm not even going to act like I have the answer as to here's why this is happening. What I would, though, say, what I would offer up just based on observation is I remember that first game of the season at Sacramento. I felt like there was a, a sense of urgency uh, that was reflective of a poor preseason. I felt like it was a team that knew they stunk it up in a preseason and they were not going to allow themselves to start the regular season that way. And I felt like there was a mindset, a sharpness that was different the first few weeks of the season that has tapered off a little bit over the last few weeks, which also I do think is normal amongst a lot of NBA teams. This, you know, the dog days of the league, everywhere you go right now, it's cold weather, it's dark, it's, uh, you know, for the most part, everywhere you go. And so, like, sometimes, you know, teams just kind of dip off at this time, especially after putting all of what they put into it from a mental standpoint early on in the season. So um, I I think that is, like, I haven't given up hope. Like, man, where's that deep, where's that top 10 defense from the first couple? Of, I haven't given up hope that that's gone because I know my eyes weren't lying to me. The yeah. stuff that I was seeing, it wasn't like just one or two games either. This was a few weeks this was going on. So I don't have the exact answer as to why, but that's what I would offer up is I just feel like as I watched them a lot of times, there was almost like a playoff sharpness to decisions they were making, movements they were making the first few weeks of the season that hasn't been there. But, of course, adding GP2 back to the equation, yeah. um, hopefully, you know, it's not it's not like a, a, a savior type of thing, you know, that all of a sudden you add him, now your defense is top five. But – it'll make a huge difference. It will make a big difference. I'll get to GP2 in a second, but going back to the late game execution, we haven't seen Justice Winslow in a couple of weeks, and he has been, until that time, he's the guy who gets the ball in. He's the guy that sets up that play. And every single time, whether he's been on the floor or not for those situations, how much do you think his absence in the last couple of weeks has hurt those situations? It's a big deal, and then Keon was out for some time. That's two of the primary ball handlers. And that is a big deal. And then also, I, I agree with this. Uh, Coach Billups said this after the game at Golden State. The guys were tired. And, of course, you don't, you don't want to use that as an excuse. And he wasn't using it as an excuse. He was just explaining, like, there's times when you could be out there on the floor and you know what you're supposed to be doing. You know what the other team's going to run. Like, you can talk it and say it and tell me everything that's about to happen, but your body is not allowing you to make the movements you need to make. And that's what that, the guys look like in that game specifically against Golden State, the, the most recent loss. So not having Justice, not having Keon, it just puts more fatigue on other people who are doing these different things. Uh, that, But that is a big deal. Justice, he, he was huge those first few weeks of the season with how the team um, got rolling and certain plays he was making and things that he did. I, I'm just, as I'm talking to you right now, I'm thinking about not just even the ball handling, I'm thinking about the screen he set in Miami to get Dame... Uh, open his switchability like there's all these little things that he does that adds up so it, it has been a huge loss all right so that, that's a lot of negatives right let's yeah. focus on some positives yeah. here the blazers have had the seventh most man games lost due to injury in the nba that's a lot they've played as many road games as almost anybody in the nba yet they're sitting two games over 500 uh there is nobody in the western conference who has a better than 500 record on the road this season and the blazers 10 and 11 obviously that could change in this trip but moving forward, with all of those things now behind them, home games coming up, GP2 coming back healthy, what does the near future look like to you? I think promising. I think it's something to be optimistic about, but there has to be a sense of urgency. 
you know what this January schedule looks like after all the time these guys have spent on the road and the strength of schedule and what you just said about the games missed due to injury, the losses that resulted from that. Now you got, you got the, you know, uh, the silver platter in front of you where it's set up for some success, but it's not going to be like a give me situation. It's going to require some urgency. So this is a huge month. I think having GP2 in the fold now uh, gives the team a spark, a boost for multiple reasons. They First of all, they just love the dude. Like he's just all a ball of energy all the time. They love being around him. And then there's things he does the same way certain offensive players can impact the game in so many ways and bend the defense and force people to to draw up different schemes. GP2 has that same uh, ability on the defensive side. Like it's almost like a shutdown corner. Like there's there, there's certain times when you you'll probably see a coach um, try to we got to screen we got to get Gary off of our best player yeah. and you know spend ten seconds in the shot clock worried about his impact. Yeah. So I'll, I'm really excited about seeing that. And then also I mentioned this on our broadcast last night. A lot of times when a a player who you know is a really good player is coming back into the fold or being acquired on a team, most of the conversation of how a coach can use that player is offensively. So, like, let's say it's an offensive-minded coach. Man, I wonder what plays a coach can draw up for this guy. I wonder where we can get him to shot here. Can we move him off the ball? Can we do this? I'm really excited to see what a coach who cares about defense as much as Chauncey Billups, um, what he can do with Gary that's a little unconventional. What In what ways can you use him that maybe we haven't seen him use before and it might end up being nothing it might might end up being traditional ways that we've seen Gary use but I, I'm just excited to see because I think coach Billups he, I, he's got some ideas up his sleeve and I want to see what he rolls out so we heard the word connectivity for the first month of the season but I feel like we haven't heard it a lot lately because there have been some losses mixed in coach told me last night that because I asked him about Gary traveling and being part of the team and he said he made it mandatory that GP2 was on the trips, that he was with the team, that he was there for practices, there for film sessions, all that stuff, not just back at home working out, doing his own thing. And in in general, when you see a philosophy like that, because we know, you know Justice Winslow is not playing on this trip, but he's here. Uh, when you see that, and it goes back to that overarching theme of connectivity that everybody's talked about since the beginning of the year, how much does that help a team overall? I think a ton. I think a ton. I think from the moment I heard Coach – establishing that as a bit of a theme throughout this season, I agreed with it fully. Guys don't have to be best friends and they don't have to hang out in order to do work well together. But when they are feeling like they are all pulling in the same direction for one another, they win together, they lose together, they experience the highs and lows together, that's a big deal. It is a very big deal, and I I think it's – Part of the reason, I mean, we talk, We started this whole thing out talking about Dame. I think really since I've been here, I've seen Dame kind of establish that theme without even saying it, just through his actions and the way he does things as the leader of the team, the unquestioned leader. He's the dude that doesn't set himself apart. Like I mentioned, Ed Davis said yeah. about Dame. He doesn't set himself apart. He doesn't do what some of the other superstars do. And I don't say that in any disparaging way because – a lot of times with these guys, they have every right to stay home and rehab or or make certain individual decisions that might benefit them. So I'm not saying, like, they're wrong for doing that. I'm just saying Dame has been special, and what Coach Billups is trying to establish with his theme of connectivity is special, and I think it is important because they are saying, like, no, 
in every single way, we are all going to be the same. I think that just sends a huge message and it makes everybody feel involved. And I think it just strengthens the buy-in. And then as a coach now, when you speak about certain things, and it might be to the seventh, eighth, ninth guy, whatever the case is, nobody in the locker room is going to look around and, and be like, oh, you wouldn't say this if it was Dame, or you wouldn't say this if it was Nurk or, or Jeremy, because it's like, no, nah, we're all in the same boat. So I, 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 I've always felt like that's a really big deal when you can get it. Again, I don't think it's a prerequisite. I think you can still win games without it, but when you do have it, I think it makes everything so much better. Lamar Hurd is with us here in the Section 113 podcast, Trailblazers TV analyst, public speaker. Uh, there's a, there are a lot of things I could put on that list, oh, and I could talk to you for an hour, man. I appreciate the time. Thanks so much, Lamar. No, no problem. Thank you, Travis. All right, there he is, Lamar Hurd, and we talk about being lucky that we have Damian Lillard, and we're pretty lucky to have Lamar. He is fantastic at what he does, and uh, he's just an awesome guy to be around. That is the Section 113 podcast for today. The Blazers taking on the Timberwolves Wednesday night in Minneapolis at Target Center. Coverage starts at 4 o'clock on the Trailblazers Radio Network. Mike Lynch will have the pregame show for you, and then Michael Holton and I will have the tip-off at 5. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Section 113 podcast.